listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 396. My name's Dave, joined as always by my co-host Wayne as we continue our discussion of the classic military science fiction series, Stargate SG-1. And, you know, as we said last week, we're, we're nearing the end here. And, and also, like last week, uh, you know, I had a few uh, housekeeping items to tie up. But, dude, I mean, come on, we all know Rotterdam is in France. I mean, everybody knows that. <laughs> I know it's it's so I, my my knowledge of geography is is just terrible. So yes, Rotterdam, France is is what I meant to say <laughs> yeah. in the first place. Oh, Clearly, my. it's so stupid. You know, I tell you, I'm so I, embarrassed. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, have you ever been to Europe? Yeah. Oh wow. You see, you know, I mean, I, I've gone on record many times saying I hate to travel, and I just I wish there was a way that I could teleport to places like Rotterdam and and, I mean because of all the the cities that I've visited virtually or or you know seen on TV and and things like that there's just something about the Netherlands that that has always appealed to me yeah and I would I would love to get uh, I really the only place I've been in continental Europe is um is Paris and then you know twice I went to Ireland and England, um, so I, I, I would love to see the Netherlands for sure, yeah. and Prague, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I don't even know where. You know, I'd, I'd probably start out saying, "Okay, I can handle a week," and then yeah. after a week, you'd say, "Well, no, I got to have another week." Yeah, but anyway, yeah, probably not going to happen. It gets draining though, too. You know, like you get you get tired, you know, after it, and you're ready to go home. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it would be. Uh, is, yeah, there's still some places I kind of put on my bucket list I'd like to see. Yeah, um, it's been a while since we've thanked our patrons. Uh, speaking of Netherlands, of course, Fred, uh, Dan, Richard, Travis, Mark, Cindy, and Mike. Thank you guys. And you know, if you're interested in our Patreon support, you can go to the website sci-fi-tv-rewatch.podbean.com, and there's a link over on the right. You want to contact us with some feedback sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com if you want to uh, record an audio clip the way fred does each week just send it as an attachment you know the drill at this point now or you don't maybe that's why no one well, does any of that stuff. <laughs> there you go um it's funny how so many things that are related to what we're talking about on the podcast keep cropping up in my life so what we're watching this week there's a movie on Netflix, and ordinarily I don't watch movies, but my wife, I won't say she shamed me into it. She didn't shame me. She gave me a gentle nudge that we're going to watch the movie called The Dig, starring Carrie Mulligan, who, of mm-hmm. course, we know as Sally Sparrow from Blink and, and right, right. numerous other things. It, my wife... Well, would, it's, uh, Ray Fides is in it, too, e- right? Exactly, and it's the story of the 1938 maybe 39, I forget exactly, archaeological dig and discovery of circa 600, 700 AD evidence of advanced Anglo-Saxon culture in these burial mounds at a location called Sutton Hoo. And, Sutton Hoo, yeah. And, and, of course, you talked a few weeks back about your problem with referring to the dark ages and and this discovery as i understand it and i haven't done a ton of reading about it but my understanding is 
this is the first piece of evidence they have that no it wasn't the dark ages that look at the advanced artistry we've got here yep. in, in in various items that's that they a, that's found what I'm talking about man so uh really a, a good movie I, I you know it was two hours it could have been six hours and i would have been happy definitely worth worth checking out if you haven't seen it called the dig it is on netflix and i'll maybe talk about the uh police crime drama my wife and i started uh last night which is uh in luxembourg and uh it's off to a roaring start but what are you watching cool well i do have the dig in my uh, in my queue on, on netflix so that is one i'm anticipating watching at some point so now maybe i'll get to that well fred's going to talk about uh snowpiercer at at the end so i'll i'll, I'll save my comments about snowpiercer then and talk about um, Trenta Monedas, a.k.a. 30 Coins on uh, HBO Max. Okay. So I don't know if you've, if you've seen anything about it or anything. I just have seen kind of like, you know, the, the little icon pops up. So it keeps saying, you know, how HBO and Netflix and Amazon all like, Wayne, dude, you'll like this one. Come on, man. Watch this one. Dude, you'll like it. <laughs> um and uh, I've I've gotten two episodes in of Thirty Coins, and it's pretty it's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. Um, you will recognize the one of the leads as the guy. I can't remember his name. He played Leto in um, uh, Sense Eight. He was the actor. Okay, you know I I stopped watching that after about four or five episodes. I'm what? not I'm not even oh. sure why. I know. Yeah. Come on, man. Dave, I know. Ah. <laughs> so, well, anyway, he's the alcalde or mayor of, of this uh, little town, and, and uh, then he teams up with the local veterinarian, believe it or not, who's quite a fetching young lady who um, named Elena, and so um, they kind of team up to investigate weird things going on in their town that kind of center around this priest who has just come back, who is kind of a disgraced priest. Uh, a, a young person died during an exorcism that he was uh, performing. And so he's kind of, so the, so, so far it's like kind of centers around these three people and the weird things that are going on, which seems to be linked to this coin that the priest has that he got from the kid who, who, during the excommunication, this coin like appeared in his skin and came out. And based on the um, the opening sequence, it appears that these Trenta Monedas are the coins that Judas Iscariot was given for snitching on Jesus. Apparently, Someone or something is after these coins and is able to go to supernatural lengths to acquire them. Oh, I like it already. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, you know, it's it's a little scary. It's very funny. You, It doesn't go the complete wackiness way of Evil Dead, but there are certainly some Evil Dead-ish moments in it. You know, the, and the characters are great. The, the guy who plays... Uh, I believe Paco is his name. I can't remember, but the the mayor of the town, uh, the guy who played Leo, he was one of my favorites in Sense Eight, and he's he's great in this as well. And uh, and then the, the the other lead who plays Elena, 
the veterinarian um, also she's she's awesome, and of course the priest, uh, he's got to be great, right? He's because he's like kind of like the the center of all this mystery. Um, you know, he's this guy, bald head, huge bushy beard, and you know he works out by punching a punching bag and stuff. So uh, he's he's not your usual priest, obviously. All right. Sounds good. Thirty coins. Yeah, I wrote it. And by the end of this thing, I I will be able to to say the f word in Spanish. I just got figure out they, they say it a lot but it, it seems like it's different a different word i gotta figure out what's going on with the f word right. in spanish in this show so all right well let's get to stargate sg1 episode 18 of season one titled tin man which arguably is the most relevant title that we've had this season we haven't spent much time talking about how the titles tie in uh, written by Jeff King, who wrote for Continuum. He's the executive producer on Umbrella Academy. Directed by Jim Kaufman, who directed a couple episodes of Charlie Jade and some of The Outer Limits. Aired February 13th, 1998. Now, right away, I'm going to say I really like this episode. I think there's a lot there that's maybe easy to miss because of the subtlety and you know uh, i mean just first thoughts how'd you like this one i didn't really like this one very much okay Um, well i like the concept of it and i like the ideas that they raised in it but it just seemed like so little actually happened it didn't really uh, i don't know i i I don't want to say the word boring because i think that is a word that is more often reflected upon the person saying it than the thing they're saying it about, but it, it did not necessarily excite my interest throughout the entire thing. Okay. That being said, the the whole concept, especially at the end and the the, the moral quandary or the you know the conundrum that the the characters are are forced to deal with, I I, I kind of like that. Well, and, and I I think that's the core of the episode, but but they do consider a lot of these ideas uh, not the least of which is immortality and the the idea and i forget who says it now i think it's o'neill people are just not supposed to live forever and uh, you know obviously science fiction is peppered with individuals who have tried to engineer things so that they do live forever and, and probably come up with a uh pretty extensive list of shows that that explore that idea but the one that really strikes me is is the idea about the human machine and at what point does the human become a machine or does the machine become a human and i i don't know if i ever gave you the i think it was in the bbc sci-fi documentary there were there were like four point uh four parts one of which was about robots and and there's a clip in there of isaac asimov in a 1965 interview where he talks about the idea of the metal synthetic versus the organic and he says you know in short we might have a society in which robots will drift away from total metal toward the organic and human beings will drift away from total organic towards metal and plastic mm-hmm. and somewhere in the middle they're going to meet so at what point does a person become a person and 
you know, when, when you say this episode was boring, I, I, I get it. I truly do. Because I, I, I didn't, I didn't say that. I said I didn't want to say that word. Okay, but but they so. lay, they kind of lay that out there, but they don't really hit on it enough. I mean, a show like Humans really explores that idea. Yes, what makes a person a person? And so At, did um, what was Battlestar Galactica? Show? Well, we Battlestar. Battlestar Galactica, yeah, and uh, Better Than Us. Sure, well. exactly. And, and, you know, those are themes that, uh, as a society, we have to come to grips with that. I mean, you know, you, you look at whether it's people that have an artificial heart, uh, you know, mechanical mm-hmm. limbs are, are certainly, you know, in, in the foreseeable yeah, future. Or the, the people in the grocery store who are having phone conversations very loudly, um, because they've got a thing attached to their ear. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Why, wow, did you have an incident with that l- lately? No, nah, I'm just, I, I, it, I find I it a little annoying. Hey, but uh, um, no, but I, I thought about that actually when those, you know, first earpieces first came out, thinking that, well, especially, you know, the wireless ones, um, that, well, here we are. This is, this is like step one towards augmenting humans with, tech right sure absolutely and you know we're, we're taking you know really pretty big steps at this point i mean the first heart transplant successful heart transplant was in the mid 60s i think so i'm not sure if it had already happened with dr christian barnard from i believe he was south african you know that was obviously many many years ago and, and at what point do we say well if the person still has a human brain, even if they have mechanical arms and mechanical legs, they're still human. It, it's, you know, so it's, it's an idea here that, that I think they put out there, but really don't explore it. And again, as you've said many times, they got 42 minutes. They can't, they can't yeah, explore too right. much. Well, there's something actually really interesting about this is reminding me of that actually Charles Lindbergh, who is not necessarily a hero of mine, but um, there, there, I read a book about him and a, another, I, I can't remember the doctor's name, but basically they're doing experiments on trying to, you know, looking at as human tissue as being something that can be regenerated, restored, just like machine parts, right? Sure. And so therefore, if you can keep tissue alive, then you know, then you can prevent death, right? Sure. Um, and I, they, there was, I can't remember if it was a, a heart or something that they managed to, for like 40 years, they managed to keep this tissue going. Not they, you know, I think it, it got past. And again, it's been ages. I'm probably getting a lot of this wrong. But I just, I mean, what I do remember about the main thing is they discovered that the brain, you you like just can't be regenerated. That the, the brain will you know, atrophy or not atrophy, that's the word, will degenerate, I guess, no matter what. And and while you can, like, you know, muscles and tissues and things are things that you can keep, you know, almost in, per, in per, per, perpetuity, you can you can keep alive and active, but uh, you can't stop the the decline of of brain tissue, I guess, okay. is what they found out. All right, but then can we move to an artificial brain, which is, 
I, I, you know, nothing more than a glorified microcomputer. And I yeah, say that right. with, you know, a little bit of sarcasm, but, but, but it, not I mean, much, though, but right? not much, right? So, you know, we again, the science fiction is, is littered with ideas about you know, downloading a consciousness to a computer or uploading it to the cloud or, or, or whatever. So while it might seem pure science fiction at this point, you know, <laughs> the, the progress we continue to make, I mean, who knows? Will we see it in our yep. lifetime? You know, maybe not, but it's probably not too far down the road. Um, the other thing about this episode, I, I felt like it was part Westworld part travelers Mm -hmm. with a touch of dollhouse thrown in again this show predates all of those which is certainly cool i mean i'm not sure when westworld the novel was written now that i think about it well uh i mean and the first movie 60s right yeah Yeah. probably i mean i think the, the movie was maybe 80 something 85 yeah late 70s early 80s maybe yeah but but certainly travelers with the downloading a consciousness into a an already existing body is something that uh, gets explored. Yeah. Um, well, you, you mentioned Westworld. It's actually funny you said that because uh, last night it was Valentine's Day, and so I um, was forced to watch a chick flick with my wife and daughters. Um, my son deserted me to go hang out with his buddies, so we we made a a. Uh, 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 compromise and watch Love Actually, which is actually a movie. I know you like that movie. Yeah, I do like it. I yeah. like that movie a lot as well. Um, and I've discovered that there's a guy in there, and I don't know if you remember Laura Linney was like worked in the office with Alan Rickman, and she's yeah, her had brother the hats for one of her coworkers, right? Yeah, yeah. And her brother was like in, in a in a hospital, right? Um, well, the coworker that she has the hats for is Rodrigo Santoro, who plays the like the bandit in westworld oh oh you're right of course yeah he's very young i mean because i mean you know love actually he's almost it's like 13 years old now 14 years old almost um but yeah so i'm like that guy looks familiar i looked i'm like oh yeah so anyway just a little side note had absolutely nothing to do with what we were talking about but altair which is apparently where this planet is 12th brightest star in the night sky not sure if that really has anything important to uh, consider but but the other thing i i guess that we're, we're left with is that we've got our four core group returning to stargate command having left behind three copies of them now I was a little surprised, and maybe I missed something. Fred refers to them as clones, and um, I don't think so. You don't think he said that, or you don't think they? No, are? no I, I don't know. If, I can't remember him saying that, but I definitely don't think they're clones. Yeah, because a, a clone would be an exact copy, right? And if right. they have mechanical insides. Then right. we go back to that whole idea: what is their brain? Is their brain? Uh, again a, a micro computer so now is that a flaw in the writing i you know i don't know am i being too nitpicky but um you know th- he didn't really copy them per se no he made them better 
Right. You are better, are you not? Um, <laughs> which got to be a little annoying. I agree. But but on, yeah, on a lot the, of, a lot on, of things about that too were annoying. But, but yeah. on the one hand, essentially, there's no harm, no foul. The SG one team returns, no worse for wear. They do, but <laughs> the three are left back with uh, with Harlan, and is that a, a nod to Harlan Ellison? Maybe using that as maybe. his name, um, yeah, which would be cool. Be. But I don't know. I, I I guess with all of these things thrown out there. I guess I, I did like this episode in retrospect. I mean, it's certainly not enough to give it an A, but I'm probably going to end up in the B plus range. But you know, we'll get to that in in a, in a little while. So the, you know, the team emerges from the gate, which is again we, one of two episode openings, it, it seems, and they find themselves. And this was kind of the first time we found ourselves in some sort of a facility. And, of course, there's nobody around, but you get the sense that, well, it's not completely abandoned, even though they give the idea that certain things look run down. And I think it's Sam that even mentions, uh, or or Daniel, that, well, it's pretty advanced, probably more advanced than we are. And, okay, that's not something we've seen a lot. I mean, we, we've certainly seen it right with the Knox and with, uh, I forget the group, the, the yeah. yeah from a yeah, couple episodes ago. <laughs> right. But, yeah. <laughs> but all of a sudden, they get disabled, collapse to the ground, and we cut to the credits. Like, okay, that was cool, but also kind of scary. Yeah. And uh, they wake to find themselves in black outfits, which I guess were very stylish for 1998. <laughs> they weren't too bad. Yeah, I thought uh, they were all right. Yeah, they were okay. Yeah, yeah they, weren't, they weren't too bad. You know, this whole idea of doing something which is i was going to say relatively i mean it's totally self-serving right harlan takes them because he can't maintain the place by himself anymore right and he can't copy anybody because he's got nobody to copy so it's like okay these people happen to pop through my gate it also kind of begs the question we we know that they were able to go through the gate and survive for, you know, we don't know how many hours, but, you know, we see them in Dr. Frazier's lab being examined. And then, of course, they get to the point where they run out of juice and collapse to the ground. But kind of begs the question, well, why didn't Harlan ever go through the gate even just to make a quick, <laughs> a quick pop off? Now, I guess maybe he felt like he, what would he do? Snatch somebody and bring them back? So, right. Well, I mean, that's, that's, only slightly more ethically problematic than what he does, right? Sure. It, it, it's, <clears throat> Which is creating these people against their will and, you know, trapping them. They're able to live the consciousness of their former lives, and, and now they're, you know, trapping them for eternity at this place that's not their home. I mean, that's, that's actually super horrible when you really think about it. Yeah, I mean, right. It's, you're doing the same thing. You're just doing it in a different way. So does he have morals? Well, apparently not, <laughs> you know, yeah. so, so he, he's willing to do this. The idea that they're living underground because of radiation above ground and he never goes into any detail. So did they do what 
again, so many sci-fi stories have explored that mankind basically annihilates himself and we're forced to either leave the planet and find a new home or move underground or, you know, so we don't really know. Or was it some sort of a cosmic environmental event that happened, which is, you know, certainly possible. Right. But we can, you know, based on our, you know, observations and readings of science fiction, you know, we can be safely, pretty safely say that the uh, the people of this world brought this upon themselves somehow. Yeah. Now, were, were you surprised when Harlan, he, he can't or won't explain how he made them better? Jack orders the team to go home. Carter starts dialing and Jackson doesn't protest. Yeah. I mean, were you surprised? I, I didn't at notice that? that. No, but that's no, I, I didn't really. I didn't really think about that, I guess. But yeah, now that you mentioned it, that is, yeah, that is notable. Yeah, and the ease with which they do go back. Now, granted, in retrospect, uh, Harlan says, well, you'll be back. And at the time, we're thinking, yeah, they'll be back. No, they won't. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, I felt like they would because he seemed pretty confident in that. He just let him go. So, like, if he really knew thought that that they would leave and would not be able to come back then he probably i feel like would put up a little bit more of resistance well and you'd like um, as he obviously has something that can just knock people out like right and, you know. and you'd like to think maybe they'd return with another sg team or two if if they were going to do that you know even though they're just one dude that they've come into contact with at this point but right um always good to see dr frazier and you know fred mentions the overacting which he ascribes and and i agree with him that you ascribe this to the director rather than the actors or the writers uh the director could have had dr frazier or general hammond and general hammond i mean he he's like he's either like over the top or or not there there a lot yeah. of times there's no in between with hammond <laughs> yeah but I mean, when you think about what she's confronted with, Jack has no heartbeat, takes a blood sample, and his blood is white, which, of course, we've seen, like, again, how many times, you know, silicon rather than carbon. Right, 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 yeah. yeah. So. With also two very problematic things for a human patient. Like, Like if a doctor, you go to a doctor's office and they can't find your heartbeat, and they take a blood sample that's white, then that's those things are those are kind of like warning signs that something well, is amiss. And you're immediately second guessing yourself for having watched all four seasons of Westworld, or is it three seasons? No, I can't remember. But just three. Yeah, okay. You know, that whole idea, what did he do to us? Now, why Jack decides to cut open his arm is really never clear. I'm not sure that would have been my next move. I don't think so, either. but he was just apparently like super confident of what he was going to find underneath there. But yeah, and, not not a great, not great. Yeah, and, and again, Fred mentions his his reaction, and and O'Neill is usually not over the top. You know, he he is pretty forceful. There's no question. He is the leader of the team. But Hammond orders them to holding cells, even though Jack has all his memories and. General Hammond, generally, his first reaction is to do the right thing. I mean, sometimes, as we've said, he gets talked out of it, usually by Daniel Jackson. But 
Of course, you put them in holding cells. Now, granted, yeah, are holding cells going to be able to hold them? You know, we don't know. But, but of course, right. for all intents and purposes, this is Jack O'Neill. This is Samantha Carter. It is Daniel Jackson. It is Teal'c. They understand why Hammond put them there. They're not going to try to escape. They're going to assume that Dr. Frazier will figure out what the hell's going on and go from there. Now, why doesn't she draw blood from the other three to see if everything's the same? You know, maybe right. she does and we just don't see it. I don't know. Yeah, they need to do that on camera. Right, right. right. But, but I love it. We're machines, Carter. But no matter what he's done to us, we're still, don't say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I love it. But, but again, that's what we've got to think. If, if this was all we were left with, is this still Captain Carter? Is it still Colonel O'Neill? I mean, are, are they yeah. who they are, even though his arm is mechanical? And I, yeah, I see that. That's one of the things I really love about right. it. And, and I love the fact that they're still out there you right. know, when the story ends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like that a lot because again, I, I, like, I think it's very problematic, right? That uh, it's actually horrific what happens to them because they've essentially taken, you know, again, the consciousness of these three people so much so that they have no concept at first that they aren't themselves as they were before. And then at the end, confining them to a faraway planet away from the home away from literally everything that they know uh for ever like with no possibility you know jack still that the android robot jack whatever still is the same person with the same longings the same everything as before daniel his his wife is still out there somewhere and he can't go after her you know it's just uh, you know, it, it's it's horrible what happens, you know, and it's to me, it was like just really, I guess one of the problems I had with it is just at the end. I mean, I don't think the 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 at the end, it's not like, well, this is OK. Right. Um, I think the show takes a stance on it that this is this is not great what happens to him. But, yeah, it's just really bad. Well, right. It is. But what is the alternative once it's been done? I mean, we could argue. Well, that yeah, should. that's that's it. Once it's been done, right? Obviously, there's there's no alternative, right? You're you're right, um, except to, you know, maybe for the Stargate team to work on a, a way that they can get them out of there. You know, instead of just leaving them there to treat them like any other team member who would be left behind, and to find a way to bring them home. Yeah, but why? They're just machines. Why not just shut them down the way Harlan does with Teal'c? Yeah, well, I mean, that's if if we think that they're just machines, then sure. But if we think that they have that spark of what makes a person a person, then that's not good. That's not good, exactly. And and that's why we get to the end. And again, I think it's Carter. <laughs> we get that great scene when the two Samanthas are engaging in a scientific back and forth about what happened to them. In time, our separate experiences will make us different. It doesn't yeah. negate everything you've said. Uh, of course, what's been done to them is horrific. But 
they will gradually become different. They will become oh, yeah. unique. Does that override what's been done to them? Again, to me, that's the beauty of the episode. I mean, is a clone, you know, does a clone deserve the same rights as the original? Right. Or that any thing that is sentient. I mean, that's part of what Westworld deals with. Now we're talking about that Battlestar Galactica and Caprica also dealt with these issues of what, what is it that makes us human? What, what separates us, I guess, what, what, what determines that we are something special, you know, as, as sentient beings, right? Yeah. Uh, that we have, do we have better, more rights than a, like the J- Jack O'Neill that has metal inside of him versus the Jack O'Neill that has, you know, carbon inside of him. Uh, what's the difference really? They're just two machines made out of different materials. Well, yeah. And, and to watch the group slowly come to terms with what's happened to them you know jack has it occurred to anyone that all we are now is robots and and he's going to go find harlan to talk robot to robot while jackson and carter are talking about the reality of the new situation we're still us we're still unique that watching them come to terms with the fact that this may be our new life, but we're still us. Now, again, not to belabor the point, because you're exactly right. He's not going to be able to go search for his wife, Daniel Jackson, that is. So, you know, to a certain extent, they're being held prisoner, unless they can come up with some sort of uh, portable battery pack, which I wouldn't put it past Carter, right? Sure. she could invent something like although that also begs the question why harlan hasn't invented something like that as well although of course he doesn't want anybody no, to he leave him because he, he wants him to stay right and you know we get the scene where the power station goes into alarm repair or die and and of course this is just another standard sg1 mission which is fine that's what the show is all about and they they jump into emergency mode and they they do everything that uh, needs to be done, and we get the little, you know, the nod to Terminator when when Teal holds Jack's face up to the steam pipe that that burns away right. some of his his uh, yep. yeah. his skin. That was that was pretty cool. But do we believe Harlan when he tells them that his plan all along was to send the originals back through the gate? I guess I kind of feel like I do believe that was his intention. Well, maybe it was, but there's no, there's like zero evidence that right and, that and, was intention. Right? And, and and how long would that have been? I think he even implies, maybe even comes right out and says he was waiting to make sure that the copies were going to adjust to their new reality, and only then would he send back the originals and was he going to let each know about the other or we kind of get the idea that no he wasn't and well dude you understand why <laughs> because yeah you know we'll we'll can certainly anticipate the well, the problems right i mean just like everything uh, their whole their lot their lot their previous lives are just completely done right like before they had like 
jobs, relationships, whatever. And and those are all just kaput. And and Harlan's just kind of like, oh, you'll you'll learn to like you here after a while, you know, like. Well, but in his own experience, that is unlikely, right? Because he's the only one there. He like either people have gone back through the Stargate, uh, or just gone crazy, have left, gone up to the radiation. You know, they would rather you know end themselves than continue on with Harlan. This you know, probably makes Harlan feel a little bad about himself, honestly. Well, but, uh, well, is it that, or is it coming to grips with the idea of immortality? That you know, I, I guess you could say, well, would you want to live forever if you didn't age? And I don't know. That's a tough question. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough question. Um, but 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 yeah, but yeah. Well, but that's still that's a good question, and yeah, I, I believe there's loads of. Um, you know, obviously fantasy and fiction that deal with it, but, uh, you know, like, uh, the vampire, whatever the Tom Cruise, you know, that vampire dude, um, see all kinds of vampires that kind of like have a certain, um, you know, kind of just like despair, hopelessness of, you know, exhaustion, mm-hmm. ennui of, of having lived so long and everything. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't think if I were jack or um sam or or daniel uh, i don't think i would be too hopeful about spending the rest of my life underground in a place that does not look like a great place to to live no no i agree see and i almost thought you were going to jump on twilight there for a minute and hmm and edward cullen but no can do no you didn't go there so uh, um anything else you want to bring up in terms of you know plot details that that we may have missed or well, I, you know i i think when the uh the i don't, I don't know how to refer to them i don't know if there's you know if we're at a place where we have to think of a politically correct way to re, re, the um the the non-organic jack i guess okay uh tells the organic Jack, not to send a bomb back. And Jack says, well, I wasn't thinking about that. He's like, yes, you were. <laughs> so that was a little bit of, of uh, comedic levity uh, in a, for, for the most part in, in an episode that uh, has a lot of um, morally problematic things going on. Right. And, and I guess what I loved about that exchange there is that – it's absolutely true in that, of course, that's what he's thinking. And, of course, you know that's why what he's thinking. And, and they both understand why it's imperative that the gate be closed. So the way it was delivered, I liked. But, but yeah, as you said, set against everything else. And, and did I miss, is there, why, why does this world need to exist? Well, that's if a good question. Just, there with just one guy right why why does why does it need to continue is is there is it fulfilling some role in the universe heretofore unseen that he needs to grab innocent people and condemn them to a life of living underground why yeah no that's a great question i mean and and i i guess one of the things that i can't let go of We've got robots, O'Neill, Carter, and Jackson that are now living with Harlan. 
Jackson, on, on the one hand, he's going to want to know everything about their culture, everything about their history, what happened. Carter is now like a kid in a candy store in terms of having access to advanced technology. So, so that should keep her busy. Now, I'm not sure what O'Neill's going to do to occupy his time here, but to get back to your question, yeah, on the, on the one hand, just let the civilization die out. That's what happens to civilizations that reach this point. On the other hand, is it worth saving? And we don't have enough information to know whether or not it's worth saving. If they just blew themselves up and that's where all the radiation came from, and well, then maybe, no, maybe they don't deserve to be saved. But these were humans who originated on Earth. And I don't know, is it an opportunity to start again? To yeah, Who knows? But yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, and, I, and, I mean, I yeah, I just don't, I don't, I don't see, you know. But I mean, obviously, what it does set up, where I anticipate that obviously in the future there will be, they're going to either go back to this world or or their other selves will, they're going to meet up again somewhere. You know, I think I I, I would say I, I take and I haven't looked it up or anything. I would just imagine that in, in 10 seasons of the show, they definitely went back there. Yeah, and I don't remember. So, yeah, I mean, why would you not? You, you know, it's almost yeah. like, uh, you know, I'm watching uh, uh, the Luxembourg crime drama now and, and certain plot points are, are, you know, being thrown out there front and center. And it's like I say to my wife, well, it's, it's got to mean something. There's got, you know, it's right. so... Yeah, it's just too good to not explore once again. But yeah, anything else? That's about it. Okay. All right, well, why don't we uh, take a listen to Fred, and we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Stargate SG-1 Season 1, Episode 18. First off, coming back to last week's podcast, and I hear myself so often say this, First off, coming back to last week's podcast, and this really, really reminds me, perhaps I have said it in one of my 160 pieces of feedback so far before, it really reminds me of good old-fashioned letter correspondence. I know, Dave, you didn't travel over the world, but I did uh, when I was much younger, and also did my girlfriend at that time. And we communicated by letters that we sent to post restantes. So I traveled through India and uh, at a certain point she traveled through Vietnam and other pieces of the world. And we sent it letters to post restantes. And that's actually in the post office a box where you can send letters to. And if somebody is traveling, they can visit that post office and look in this box by alphabet and look if there is a letter for you. Of course, you have to know the travel plans then of the person you are writing to and which cities somebody will visit. And sometimes they just miss a letter. Such letter gets a date stamp and at a certain point they are thrown away. But what I did is sometimes send the same letter, a copy of it, to two cities. So if she missed one, she could find the same letter in the next city she visited. And the way we communicate here always with one week in between really is reminiscent of that. 
although the answer or the reaction is here in one week, whereas in this way of writing letters, it sometimes was three weeks or something like that. Possibly young people cannot imagine this way of communicating, because if you travel through Vietnam or India, you just call somebody, period. But what I wanted to say is, first off, coming back to last week's podcast, is about your Super Bowl, because I understood that the commercials are quite important part of that. Even so that your wife Dave especially wanted to see them, more or less, instead of the match itself. Now I get the impression that for the Super Bowl commercials, they do extra stuff and special commercials. I never realized that this was a thing. And that's the nice thing, as you also said in your last podcast, Dave, about these cultural differences and learning something about other countries just by talking to each other. Aside from the important main task, namely talking about sci-fi and genre series and movies. One of the other things you talked about is the latitude position of Europe compared to, for instance, a position of Toronto. And Wayne was talking about his pop quiz, and then he corrected himself by saying, "Just, I just, I, I just gotta say, I know Rotterdam's not is in Denmark, not Germany. I just figured I'd better say that now, but you know, to to try and, and heal the wound I just created by sounding like a complete idiot." And here you see, I still don't know you well enough, Wayne, even after 160 episodes. I don't know if you tried to correct yourself and made in that correction a mistake again, or made a real funny joke. Of course, Rotterdam is in the Netherlands, it's my hometown, and it's not in Denmark, nor in Germany. One last thing I wanted to talk about before going into episode 18 of the Stargate SD-1. In the category, what am I watching? I am really very impressed by Snowpiercer, its second season. So good acting and such a nice story. Also, the cinematography is very nice, especially some of the close-ups. Not amazing when you know that the showrunner is Graham Mason, who also did Orphan Black. But really, the acting of, for instance, Jennifer Connelly, who plays Melanie, Alison Wright, who plays Ruth Wardle, the 19-year-old Rowan Blanchard, who plays Alexandra, or Alex, and Sean Bean, who plays Joseph Wilford, or Mr. Wilford. I assume that Wayne can concur with this. Okay, really enough about other stuff, let's go into episode 18. I really thought of giving this episode a C, at least for the first, let's say, 35 minutes or so. You know I'm a hard grader, or I still have problems with the US grading system, but I looked up some very new tables from the World Education Service, and there it says that satisfactory is a C, very satisfactory is a B, and then good, very good and excellent are all A's. Or you go into the system of A minus, A and A pluses. Yeah, this is satisfactory. It's not insufficient, but it's satisfactory and not more. If it exists, I perhaps go to B minus. What was very nice of this episode was, of course, the cloning aspect of it. As a Orphan Black fan, that, of course, appealed to me. What was very nice was the Jack-Jack discussion at the end, where they stand at Teal's body. That was really funny and also well done. I also liked how the character of Harlan was portrayed. Very consistent, very nice, very funny. Why am I grading this so low? 
I was very much annoyed by the behavior of Jack O'Neill in the beginning and also the way Richard Dean Anderson portrayed it. I think it was written overacted and it was also overacted presented. The way Jack reacted to this Harlan when they first arrived being so impatient and annoyed and didn't give Harlan the time to explain himself. I really thought, come on guy, let the man explain himself. Don't be so annoyed by not immediately get your right answer. And then later cutting his arm. Really unbelievable. And then when the general comes in and he confines them all and his reaction. So if you don't go, this this can have fatal consequences. What? Are you going to shoot this SG-1 team? Although you think they're aliens or whatever. Where it's clear that this Jack knows you. He knows the names of your grandchildren, etc. Also a little bit overacted, of overreacted, perhaps not even overacted. But then it's the fault of the director. Same kind of reactions in Dr. Janet Frazier. So in that way it was consistent. They all overreacted in a horrible way. And actually it's a pity because the concept of the episode was actually quite nice. Okay, end of my rant. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right. Now, Fred, uh, obviously, each week he gives us a, a lot of stuff to think about. But nice callback to good old-fashioned letter yeah. writing. Writing letters. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah, and I never really thought of it, but but he's exactly right about our feedback communication. And, and of course, sure. as we've said many times, we communicate with Fred via Facebook Messenger a, as well. You know, from time to time, some some weeks more than others, but but certainly, you know, we've you know gotten to know each other a, a little bit there. But uh, yeah, letter writing. Who who'd have thought? And it's actually I was <laughs> lamenting the fact that I was running out of stamps the other day, and, but then you know, with the mail <laughs> the way it is these days, you, know, you may yeah. pay all your bills online anyway. <sighs> you know, I'm not taking a chance. I'll just pay it online. How hard is that? You know, yeah. Once you figure out yep. what the routing number is on your check, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Once you get set up, it's easy enough. You'll never go back. Nah. So, uh, you know, he mentioned Snowpiercer, and I even, I guess, remembered that I haven't really seen it. So, uh, you got any thoughts on Snowpiercer? Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. Um, season two is is great so far. Um, I, Sean Bean is is one of my absolute favorite actors ever. And uh, and he's just such a. I, I I sometimes want him to be a good guy, but I know he's just so great at being a bad guy. It's it's tough for him not to be, you know. Like he's just, and even when he was Boromir in, in the Lord of the Rings, you know, he's still kind of like a good bad guy or bad good guy, you know, whichever way you want to see it. He he wasn't one of the. He he's not Aragorn, right? He's not the the completely the good dude. So he just really by bringing Sean Bean in, you just like man, you just. You just turn this amp up to 11 right now is what you just did. Because um, especially they had a very strong cast already. I don't think he mentioned Davy Diggs, but Davy Diggs is just awesome. He's such just everything. Like even his, even the, the Sesame Street commercial during the Super Bowl, I thought he was awesome. And, you know, so, um, you know, it's just a, it's just a great, great show. Um, it's very enjoyable. A lot of, twist to it and 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 different so you know obviously so much different than the movie um it's not quite as as gritty and as despairing 
or as violent as as the movie was. So, yeah, okay. like it can't couldn't two thumbs up. Couldn't agree with you more. Okay, and right. you know Sean Bean, as you said, as long as he he can keep his head about things, he he should be okay in this uh, show. Ouch. Um, Fred gave us comparison charts for world grading, which was fascinating. He, he gives this one a B minus. I'm going to give it a B plus. I, 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 I like this one. What do you got for a grade? I'm sticking with B on, on this one. That, that's what I wrote in my notes. And okay. I'm going to hold to it. Okay. Uh, nothing, nothing you said changed my mind that, uh, just really didn't, uh, really get me any kind of worked up about it and everything i need a little bit more action i guess is the problem with me okay and it is a problem i admit I, so like if if, if, you, if anyone disagrees with me I, I completely understand okay now fred you know again i have in my my notes in terms of replying to his feedback that that he was okay with the cloning so as i mentioned earlier in the discussion and i'd love to hear fred's thoughts on this are they really clones since they have mechanical arms you know, I mean, obviously, this is Fred's area of study, so I'd, I'd love to, Fred, hear your feedback on, on, on that regard, or maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Just one final thing. You know, we, we mentioned Fred's reaction to the overreaction of some of the characters, and, and while I agree with him to a large extent, I, I still think the situation that Frazier's placed in <laughs> is cause for alarm. But on the other hand, they're military. They should be able to handle extreme situations, and it's not like they didn't handle it. So, right. you know, I don't the other know. thing is just I thought like if if you find yourself in the room of robots who might not know they're robots yet, you should probably leave the room first, then hit the alarm button, uh, not the other way around. Because there was a second there when you could see Doctor Frazier was a little worried she might get jumped. All right, anything else about Fred's feedback? Um, nope. I just, you know, you know, just say if if we grade up too much, just you have to if if you uh, saw the school we we worked at then or that they worked at, I still do. Uh, <clears throat> you would understand the uh often the impulse nay the need maybe to be generous with grading. Um yeah. Do I do I give them a bad grade or do I spend the next 3 days uh, in meetings or on the telephone or email. Yep. Hmm, let me think. At what point do you fall on your sword? Yeah. So I'm just kidding. We really don't do that, but yeah. but sometimes maybe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, all right. So a good one. Um, now you and I have talked about what we're going to do next. We've got three episodes remaining on SG One Season One. Do you want to wait till next week to tell people, or you want to? Throw it out yeah, there we now. Can, we can we can uh, you know string out the uh, the suspense okay. for another week. Maybe. Okay. Well, how about we do this? It's not sanctuary. Yeah, we could do that. Okay. So put the sanctuary people yeah out of their misery. Okay. So no, that is something I'd like to return to at some point, but but not not today. Yeah. As they say on Game of Thrones. Yep. So uh, we might as well just tell them then. Nah, we'll hold off to next week. We okay. we gave them enough with the sanctuary tidbit. So. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here before we one of us caves. Uh, that will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Stargate SG-1, the fact that we're not going to do Sanctuary, what you hoped we would do. Anything going on in genre TV, we'd love to hear about it. 
Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. The email is sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to talk about episode 19 of Stargate SG-1 titled There But For The Grace Of God. But until then, come try ya!